Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin A.C. Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Padres met this series. Man, we've been looking forward to this forever. These two Titans meeting uh, here as they did in April in New York. Padres on a three-game win streak. Mets on a four-game win streak. Just like we would have expected, these teams just hot as heck uh, as, as they get prepared to meet on Friday. We are we are taping this on Thursday, an off day for the Padres. I uh, want to say that this is worth the time of the year where things change rapidly with the Padres. So I just want you to understand, if 24 hours you're listening to this and something crazy's happened, A.J. Preller's made some move, something like that, we don't have it here. It's because, you know, we're taping this on Thursday. Ryan, Padres, Mets, where do you want to start? <clears throat> I want to take just a quick step back. Um, Kevin, the Padres swept a team uh, finally this season, took three in a row from the Angels. It's their first three-game sweep of the year. Um, I think more so than just the wins, some things to me seem to be trending in the right direction. What was sort of your takeaway from that series outside of the fact that the Angels aren't very good when you take away uh, two of their best three players and, and limit Shohei Otani? Yeah, yeah, but they, you know they did limit Shohei Otani. That that that's good. Um, look, they had uh, done well against Mike Trout. Uh, for, uh, whatever it was, a game in a little bit. Uh, you know what? They won, and like I thought, they played better in Cincinnati. Okay, so what? They lost two or three, right? Like that's the point of the season we're at, where you know the, there wasn't going to be too much longer where you could you could nod your head and say, you know, in, in absolute agreement, yes. There were a lot of good things that happened in Cincinnati. They had to win and they right. won three out of three and they did it where like they pounded a team uh, a couple nights really. Um, and, and, you know, then last night they won a game that, that what you could say was they won. They got some good pitching mm-hmm. and they won. They got mm-hmm. fortunate, but they took advantage of that good fortune. And so there you go. Now they're five games under. Uh, they can do. They can accomplish the goal they reset. Right? They they set a goal before the national series they, they, to finish strong. They set a goal before the pirate series to finish strong. They set a goal before the red series to finish strong. I'm not making fun of them. I'm saying like that's all they could do. Well, now they can say. All right, you know, we refocused after that terrible road trip and we won five of six or, you know, whatever it is, uh, finishing out the the first half. Sure. To me, more so, Kevin, uh, than just the wins. I And again, you know more about this team than I do and, and, and your, your baseball instincts are better. I'm starting to see things trending in the right direction for guys like Manny Machado, for guys oh, like Jake yeah. Cronenworth. Um, you know, to me, this was a very big series. Kevin, if at some point the Padres make a run and if they're back in the playoff mix, we could very well point to the day where they went back-to-back jack off Shohei Otani as the day when things started to turn because that was Andrew Bogart who had been scuffling, hit the ball hard. It was his second home run in as many days. It was Jake Cronenworth following it up with a shot. Um, these are two guys who desperately need to get going as well as Manny Machado. Uh, what's working for them? I think you are 100% right. I couldn't bring myself to say it in the in a in writing because we've thought it so many times before, but yes, if capital italicized underlined bolded circled highlighted if, okay? They are to continue a run into contention, into the playoffs 100% this series, that game uh you know, that that uh, sequence of, of, of events mm-hmm. could be because I have been yelling this all year. 
for everything else that we have has diverted our attention because we couldn't comprehend how badly Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts were playing. We were Austin Nola, Trent Grisham, you know, Bob Melvin. And we're, we're looking around. Those guys need to hit. You could because then after the big four, there was this fifth guy, Jake Cronenworth. And you didn't need him to be those guys, but you you needed him better than 205, right? Mm-hmm. You needed his clutch hitting because that's who he is, right? Uh, and, and that wasn't there. So absolutely, Ryan, that was a that was a big thing for them. And we right. could look back on it and go, yeah, remember that when Jake let out that holler after hitting that home run? It was his third extra base hit off Shohei Otani. And 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 it was like reminiscent as much as a regular season game can be of that playoff, the hit against the Dodgers. And 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 yes, that was a moment, the kind of moments that have been lacking for this team. Watching that game on TV, Kevin, that was the first thing I thought of. Mm-hmm. Well, when when you go, man, that reminds me a lot of the Dragon Slayers hit. Just in terms of the emotion from him, and, and you know, and we don't need to belabor this point, Kevin, but I'm not sure anybody uh, cares more than Jake Cronenworth, just in terms of on a daily basis. To see him succeed, it must be a big relief uh, for somebody who I'm sure has been beating himself up an awful lot here the last month and a half. My gosh, he has. And I'm not saying other guys don't care. He he wears it. Uh, it is important. He knows what his importance to the team is like in doing certain things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when he doesn't, right. Like, and, and his margin is such that, you know, Manny Machado has a lot of uh, leeway, right? Like he's just yeah. got so much talent. Okay. That, I mean, any, every once in a while, even when he was scuffling or Xander Bogarts, even when he was scuffling, you know, like Xander Bogarts has been terrible by Xander Bogarts standards. Right. But, it's like hitting 270 since coming back from his right. uh, his wrist. Now, the last few days, or the two, they went over four last night, but the two days before that helped that, right? It was 250. Mm-hmm. His OPS is not Xander Bogarts. I mean, it's awful for a guy making $25 million. I'm just saying that, like, those guys are going to run into one, right? When they're going mm-hmm. bad. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Manny's hitting over 300 since uh, coming off the IL. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty sure. Uh, I've got the numbers here somewhere. If you write them down, Kevin, you should really look at them to make sure that you you know give them to the folks. But yes, uh, June fifth to July fifth, Manny's hitting three ten. It was wow. close to three hundred even before this series, which he went off. Um, mm-hmm. Jake knows like his margin is not there, right? Like when he's down, he's down, and he feels it. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Kevin, how much of you've written a couple times about how important it is to just kind of win today's game for these guys that sort of the mindset change is now, Hey, you know, it's the old, uh, we, we've mentioned this before, sort of how do you eat an elephant, right? You know, like one bite at a time, right? If the, to get back into playoff contention, they need to get to 500 first, then they need to do, you know, then they need to make another run and then they probably need to make another run and then they need to finish strong. Um, this mindset of one game at a time, is, is this new? Is this just player speak? What is this coming from a meeting or coming from a, a manager or a GM? I mean, what? Where, yeah, but it was from like, uh, let's say the the Pittsburgh, uh, okay. around, around the Pittsburgh series, right? Okay. That that didn't go uh, so great. Um, but, you know, things don't happen. It's like when Manny talked to me about, uh, you know, having urgency and he went out and went 0 for 4 or whatever it was. Yeah. 
this is baseball. There's 162 games. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not going to just happen that night. And just because it happened that night, by the way, doesn't mean it's going to happen the next night. So it's more about like a building a thing. Yeah. It was just a reminder, right. Of, of like, we know the elephant is there. We, we got to finish it, man. We got to, right. right. but you got to do it one bite. And so right. that sort of thing without coming up with, as far as I know, any sort of like, you know, hokey mantra or whatever it was mm-hmm. like, we, if you just think about it and they mm-hmm. have believed this all along, if you had to go out and win a game with a team, mm-hmm. this is the team you'd want to be on, right? Like by talent, by go mm-hmm. compare, you know, this guy, this guy. So let's go out and win this night's game. Right. And that, that's kind of what it was. Right. I think too, and we, it's so silly to talk about the standings because it's July and because they're in fourth place. But I think you're starting to see the Diamondbacks fade a little. Uh, injury stuff is catching up to the Dodgers. Uh, I think that this is the time that they need to make that run, starting with this weekend series against the Mets. Well, this um, is the time because there's, what, 75 games left. But gotta do yes, it. Yep. you bring up a great point. Like, it was a good three days, all right? Mm-hmm. Because the Giants who won last night, but they had lost six or seven before that. Uh, the uh, Diamondbacks have now lost three straight. The Dodgers won last night. They had lost two of or three of four or something like that before that, I think it was. I think they're two and three in their last five. And meanwhile, the Padres are four and one in their last five. So the Padres in this three-game stretch, and it was true before last night too. They didn't gain any ground last night because the Dodgers won um, and the Giants won. But they gained two games in the standings, in the wild card standings, and they jumped four teams. Now it's all by like one point or sure. percentage or one game or percentage points. But there were six teams between them and the sixth playoff spot. And now there's two. So like that means nothing except this. See what happens when you win? Like yeah. things change rapidly and they will continue to change. The Padres will lose again and they'll drop down. But like, you know, this showed them. It can show us what is possible. Sure. Kevin, would you rather be the Mets or the Padres right now? I would always rather be the Padres. As much as I think Mr. Met is superior to the Friar, (gasps) I would always rather – oh, come on. Uh, I would always rather be the Mets – I mean the Padres because you're in San Diego, because you don't have – you know, 12 people with microphones and notepads and recorders traveling with you all the time because you don't have generations. And I'm, I'm sorry, like, mm-hmm. like they're, they're, it's a bigger area. So mm-hmm. when generations have been following you, you have two World Series. I think that this is such a broader conversation. I don't know if this is exactly what you meant, mm-hmm. but we've talked here about how what happened last year in the playoffs built fans if there was a 12 year old a seven year old uh, uh in the stands last year like he experienced what you experienced in 1998 like mm-hmm. that builds like that builds psycho fans right, right? that builds right. like the the real and i'm I, I am not talking about the hardcore padre fan who's been there ride or die this whole time i'm just saying there haven't been as many of them that are mm-hmm. that passionate because the padres haven't given you reason to be that passionate. Okay. Right. It's gener- it's generations and Plus, expectations. Yeah. We, there absolutely. you go. We have other stuff to do. Like there's all sorts of reasons, but it's a pressure cooker. You feel it when you go there. Like those tiniest thing that happens on a Wednesday in August becomes the back page in, in, in New York. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and 
all the stations are talking about it. And I mean, so I would always rather be the Padres. That's probably not what you went, but uh, meant, but I went ex- existential on you, Ryan. How would you like to me to answer your question? From a talent standpoint, Padres. Um, Padres. Okay. It, from in, I mean, these are two teams. And look, the storyline, and I'm sure that's going to be our off day story today. The storyline is going to be this is a battle of two of the best teams in baseball. In parentheses. On paper, um, both of which have been pr- pretty terrible so far. Paper, the by, checks by they were standard. written on. There's exactly. something there. Jeff Sanders, run with it. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I think that that's going to be sort of the story. Kevin, in terms of teams that can bounce back, I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you trust the Padres' ability to rally here more so than you do the Mets? And, and how do you think they match up against each other heading into the weekend? This is where I point out that I cover the Padres, and so I'm far more familiar with them. So that means I'm going to be far more skeptical and far more positive because that's just how it goes, right? <laughs> uh, it does appear that, that Justin Verlander's, uh, you know, kind of rounding into form, but I don't know that, right? Like, like he went what seven and one this last start, but it hasn't been super, uh, you know, great. Been a little rocky for for Scherzer, but that's who they have. Uh, Kodai Senga is pitching very well, so like, there's a lot there. I don't think they have the lineup the Padres do. Um, you know, I I think the Padres are 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 a better team. So. Mm-hmm. Friday night, Verlander, you Darvish. Uh, that's a pretty stellar matchup. That's nice. Ke- yeah, that is. Ke- Kevin, I want to ask you a couple things about the starting rotation. Number one, you Darvish. I mean, it will have been what fifteen days yeah. since he pitched. Uh, by the yeah. time he takes takes the mound, what it was a virus that wasn't COVID, but still seemed to have knocked him sideways. He was down. That's why I was laughing. I, I like guys. Do you ever look yourselves in the mirror? Like, was this really a thing? Because I kept hearing about people saying it was a conspiracy that that he wasn't really sick and that they were waiting to have him pitch uh, against Shohei Otani. And first off, that's that's just silly. Like, that's just silly. But second, he was sick. He looked horrible in 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 uh, Cincinnati. Looked a little better in Pittsburgh. I think what happened is he tried to pitch and and you know he was had the intention to pitch it was humid there was that all that smoke in in pittsburgh uh he had a virus and he tried to do stuff and it made it worse and like he threw up saturday so yeah he was down and he needed Uh, to get his strength back mm -hmm. yep padres are going to go with blake snell here on saturday we reported that yesterday that would allow him to a try to finish a really good first half of the season on a strong note and b would make him available for the All-Star game if somebody were to go down with an injury. I know that every game is so important that the Padres can't be making decisions based on the All-Star game. Was that considered? Um, it's in there. It's like a bonus. It's not, mm-hmm. look, he can go on four days. They need that. I mean, uh, it was either like this allows the possibility that Joe Musgrove goes on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's something that probably like they're not going to fully determine until – I don't know, maybe Saturday morning, maybe Friday, right? Like it's something I don't think is going to happen because like Joe's been through a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And even though it'd be four days and if anyone could go, it would be Joe Musgrove, like, right? If Mm -hmm. anyone's like going to fight for that ball, but then Joe has also learned from trying to fight back too quick a little bit Mm -hmm. from the foot and everything. And so I think it's going to be a bullpen game, but this allows the possibility Mm -hmm. that you push that one back to Sunday that Joe could be that guy. Um, Mm -hmm. And just as an aside, since you brought it up, I, I mean, when when Blake Snell didn't make the, the All-Star game, I was like, yeah, that was a snub, right? Okay, mm-hmm. whatever. 
But the Pirates had to have uh, uh, Brad Keller. Is that right? Mitch Keller? Mitch Keller. The, Mitch Keller. We've, we've seen Mitch Keller. Keller. Mitch Keller. So, but that was their only guy. So he had to be on there. So, yeah. hey, that happens. Josiah Gray from the Nationals. He's got to be on there. Well, then Clayton Kershaw pulls out, and they put David Bednar. Like, awesome. David Bednar is a great story, but no, that's not the pirate you chose. And right. another closer? I mean, so yeah. maybe they're waiting to see if Snell, like, pitches well and then his numbers are even better. Because I, I think it's of the top 16 guys in ERA starters – uh, the 16 lowest ERAs in the majors, he's the only one that's not in there, and he's 10th. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's not just that he's been the best pitcher in the majors since May 25th. Like, by ERA, he's, you know, been one of the best all year. So mm. I think it's just, I mean, it's it's awful that he's not in. Awful on the scale of snubs, and I don't take snubs too seriously. Whatever. You know who I'd like to see there besides Blake Snell? I mean, he's the most deserving of the Padres that aren't there, is my in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Fernando Tatis, there's a lot of baggage there. Plus, he slumped at the wrong time. Okay, whatever. Um, but his numbers say that he should be there. Mm-hmm. The guy whose numbers maybe don't say he should be there offensively, but should be there is Hassan Kim. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think it'd be great for baseball. I, I just I think it'd be great for Hassan Kim, but it'd be great for baseball and and yeah. Anyway, when when Bob Melvin goes, I think he's the best defensive player in the game. That says something. And Bob Melvin is um, not a guy who throws out stuff like that. Yes, like every manager, there's times that he says stuff because that guy plays for him. But Bob's also the kind of guy when you try to uh, when you ask him to compare like third baseman that he's managed or um, infields that he's managed or a starting pitcher. Like he's very respectful of all the guys he's managed. And he, you know, maybe knows that like, you know, the guys that he had in this year are better than the guys he had this year. And so like, he doesn't just throw out things like that. So that was a pretty big deal. Absolutely. And it's probably true, by the way. Somebody who I think will be viewed historically as a very, very good player. um, When we compare sort of year to year is Nelson Cruz. Um, Padres made what appeared to be a difficult decision uh, earlier this weekend, uh, but, or early, what, July 4th? No, July, was it July 4th? It was the 3rd. 3rd, I'm sorry. July 3rd, uh, designated Nelson Cruz for assignment, part of a flurry of activity to bolster the bullpen, frankly. They called up Matt Batten to replace him. Kevin, we've seen the writing on the wall with this for a while now. Um, why did they make the decision when they did? Well, it was a matter of time, and uh, but yes, that that was a, First of all, it was like a shock because of who he is. And, and even though he wasn't here for very long, got to respect that guy. Borderline Hall of Fame case, uh, certainly in the last you know decade plus, the, the power hitter, uh, most consistent, uh, longest, uh, you know, producing at that level. So that's big. That's why, you know, in the open of the show, I said what I said. Like, it was that time where no longer could they – there have been a lot of instances where – he or Carpenter uh, or even Sanchez or like made it to first base with a single or a walk. Um, and there was nothing Bob Melvin could do. There was no better pinch hit option. Right. Mm-hmm. Or when he was constructing it through, there was no other time to deploy a certain guy because it really wasn't going to matter. They can't play a position. They can't run. Um, there were a couple times where there were hits and Matt Carpenter, uh, Nelson Cruz, w- Almost anyone else on the team would have scored, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, except Gary Sanchez, and they didn't. And mm-hmm. that was frustrating to people. And Nelson, who had gotten hotter, 
had like one home run in June. Mm-hmm. Um, was hitting better, but had like one home run. So it was a matter of time, maybe a little sooner than I thought. But you know what? You know, that's mm-hmm. that was the decision that was made because look, it might be a matter of time for Matt Carpenter. Nelson Cruz was one million dollars. Matt yeah. Carpenter has whatever it is, eight million left on the two years, or what I forget what it is, but it's it's a considerable more investment. But I've been told that that's you know in no way makes him untouchable if he can't sure. you know start putting the ball in play in a, in a way that you know mm-hmm. doesn't find fielders. So, well, and and this is an expectations thing too. This goes back to expectations. This was forty of the last fifty Padre teams. They would be selling Nelson Cruz T-shirts and celebrating every milestone he hit. There would be something in the team shop, you know, Nelson Cruz hits a home run at age 43, right? You know, it's like one of those. Um, The fact remains is when you need to make a push and when you consider yourself a World Series caliber team despite your start, every roster spot matters. And it seems to me as if when they got Gary Sanchez, he essentially took Nelson Cruz's spot as a right-handed power guy who could DH in a pinch. Nelson Cruz and Matt Carpenter are somewhat redundant because neither of them really play a position. And this frees up a guy in Matt Batten. And you, Kevin, you probably, well, you know a lot better than I do. You know, Matt Batten may not be a, a rest of the season Padre, but he certainly brings an element of speed that this team has zero of coming off the bench. Right, right. Um, that's exactly it right there. So uh, could he get a spot start if, you know, things start going well and he can give guys rests? Sure, sure. Uh, but that is absolutely it. Uh, Kevin, just in terms of expectations for the weekend, what result this weekend has the Padres going in the All-Star break going, okay, we're back in this? Or we're, oh, we're sure. right in the two, two and three, how can you argue with it? I mean, okay. you know, they are facing some good pitchers. They're facing a good team. You know, you can't, no matter how desperate they are, you, you can't be upset with two and three. Uh, sure. So, but sure. I, so, I so they can take two of three. You're good. I don't want to say half two because again, there will be was it seventy two left at that point. I mean, right. but so not have to, but like yeah, you I mean you you like you have to win series, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what you got to do. Uh, sure. So awesome, yeah. uh, Kevin. As we wrap this up, this is our last show, at least uh, before the uh, All Star. Well, last show of the sort of fictional first half of the season. You have mentioned your love of Mr. Met. Let's go. Give me three other great mascots in baseball. Well, I mean, the Fanatic, for sure. Uh, Blooper. <laughs> I think Orbit's pretty good. The Astros. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did, you just, have, mention, have, Did uh, you just mention Hunt? Did you just mention I've become a big mascot guy. You just oh, see yeah. the way people respond to them, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's not anybody in the NL West that's, you know, um, Lucille, like she got like one, the seal in San Francisco has yep. one move with the glasses. Yep. It's just yep. goes to it way too much. It's like really cool. You see it the first time. It's like, you got anything else? That's it. Uh, the, I think that the, um, the Bobcat, uh, what's his name? Baxter. 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 I think he's got fleas, uh, because that's just a natty, natty, mm-hmm. natty fur coat he's got going there. Uh, I don't want to talk about the fryer. I just, I think the, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. it it's, it's inappropriate. I, I don't. Yeah. I, uh, you know, two things. Number one, Baxter the Bobcat was named by Jay Bell's kid because they played at bank one ballpark. And he said, you know, the Diamondbacks mascot should be a Bobcat because they played at Bob. And so that's how D Baxter, the Bobcat got his. I did his, not know that, yeah. but when you say it, it makes all the sense in the world. Yes, which makes sense. If if we're ranking mascots, and look, I am very pro-Friar. 
Very, very pro Friar. Uh, I, I'm a Billy the Marlin guy. Marlin's Billy the Marlin's way cool. It's just kind yeah. of a kind of a weird like. You gotta be careful, Billy. You don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah, with that thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, and number two, Mariner Moose, um, and it's probably only because I can't see him without thinking of. Remember the was it a motorcycle accident where his leg ended up going the other way? That's like a famous baseball blooper. Didn't know that. Oh yeah, you should you should uh, Google that when we're done. Um, I, I, I like those two guys, man. I, the thing I hate is when they try to make mascots a thing. I'm looking at oh, the, uh, Chicago like Cubs, like Dinger, Dinger, the dinosaur Dinger. from the Rockies. Like, what is that? <laughs> what is that purple dinosaur? Like, I, it, it makes no sense. The Reds have their, their regular, um, you know, Mr. Red, or I don't know. Mr. Redlegs, Mr. Redlegs. Yeah. Uh, uh, and they're very good. There's there's a there's a female one, and she's a little flirty and like mm. does all these things and got this like, oh that's cool. And then there's a guy, and then there's a guy with a handlebar mustache, and right, they're mm. one of the legacy franchises. And then they also have this weird Muppet thing that comes out on Sundays or whatever. And I, why are they doing that? I don't understand. Um, I will say this: I forget his name. The Royals, the Lion. Mm, he's good. At one time, yeah. bungee jump off of the top of their scoreboard thing up there. So that's pretty badass. So, I mean, that's, but, you know, but you cannot go wrong with uh, the ones in the East. You got Blooper, you got Mr. Met, uh, you got uh, uh, the Philly Fanatic. Philly Fanatic, yeah. Blooper, you know, remember the Padres had a blooper for a while. No. When the, after, okay, the early 90s Padre history lesson. Here we go. When the Padres switched to blue, the like Tom Warner era Padres and they were selling off pieces left and right. They added a mascot named blooper. And I believe that he like Disney Imagineers or somebody came up with them with the idea of him. So he was sort of this, just, he was an animal of some kind. Um, he wore the Navy blue Padre Jersey, blue Padre hat. He stuck around for a while until uh, John Moore's bought the team. And then John Moore's and Larry Lucchino brought back the fryer. That was like their first big thing. Um, when they took over the whole, like, we want you back Padres campaign, they brought back the swinging friar. I want to say in like 96, something like that. Anyway, blooper. Um, it, it's JK. If you can find him anywhere and post at some point, the old Padres mascot blooper B U L U E P P E R was just a, a shameful yes. time in Padres history. Shameful time. Yes, it is. It's more shameful than those uniforms. <laughs> more shameful than trading Fred McGriff for Melvin Nieves. Yes. Yep. A lot, lot of shame. A lot of shame. <laughs> good, this is a good place to jump off, I think. Uh, Kevin, uh, again, big series coming up this weekend. Padres met, starting with you, Darvish, uh, versus Justin Verlander on Friday night. That'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. For Kevin Acey, I'm Ryan Finley. We'll see you next time.